the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores, hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Hawks win, Hawks win again. Chris Chelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the teams. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back, circle and drives, get the drive, score. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins in Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Yes, rock and roll, friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay. We have Blackhawks things and stuff to talk about. We do have some things to talk about. Some are fun. Some are not so fun. Some we're not sure if they're going to be fun or not when they're said and done. Uh, But thanks always for joining us here on the Madhouse Podcast. We greatly appreciate you tuning in. It is the offseason, but it can be a very busy time, and things are about to pick up big time in the NHL and with the Blackhawks. So we've got some... Uh, breaking news from today, uh, Thursday, when we're recording this, and you may have seen a while back a uh, lawsuit came out against the Blackhawks, um, and today that sort of took us another step here. Um, Rick Westhead of TSN reporting um, a pretty bad story, and I'm not going to read the whole thing here. Uh, I encourage you to read it yourself, look it up yourself, get the facts for yourself, Um, I'm going to spare the details because, you know, I don't want to uh, say anything that's going to upset anyone in terms of, uh, you know, triggering any sort of past experiences, but just know it's a very difficult read. Uh, I'll give you the first two graphs and, uh, and you can go from there. It says, uh, this is from again, Rick Westhead, TSN senior correspondent, Chicago Blackhawks senior management allegedly refused to file a report to Chicago police. During the 2010 Stanley Cup playoffs, after two players claimed a video coach who worked with the franchise had sexually assaulted them, according to a person familiar with the matter. During a May 2010 meeting with then-Blackhawks president John McDonough, vice president of hockey operations Al McIsaac, general manager Stan Bowman, and team sports psychologist James Gary, then-skills coach Paul Vincent shared what the players had told him about being assaulted and asked the team executives to contact the sex crimes division of the Chicago police. The person said, adding that the request was denied. None of these members of Blackhawks management were identified or referenced in a lawsuit filed last month in an Illinois court by an unnamed former Blackhawks player. The player alleged in the suit that the team ignored allegations that he and an unidentified teammate were sexually assaulted in separate incidents by video coach Brad Aldrich. So, I encourage you to read the rest. That's when the details kick in. These are tricky things for James and I to talk about. 
And I don't, you know, I know as much about the story as uh, you do reading. I, I have one other bit of information that probably shouldn't matter, but it might to the listener. From what I'm told, the players alleging this uh, were not regular parts of the Blackhawks roster. They are players who had limited roles. It doesn't matter. They are still victims. It still matters. But I, I, it's not someone who is uh, closely, um, I don't know what you would say, closely like uh, associated with the Blackhawks for a lot of on-ice uh, glories sort of a thing. Um, again, doesn't matter. A victim is a victim regardless of their stature uh, in sports. And this is important. And here's what I'll say, and I think it's, it's pretty common sense. Uh, this should be fully investigated. And if these allegations are true, that Bowman and McIsaac and Gary, all three of which are still employed by the Blackhawks, had this information and didn't do anything with it, they should all be terminated immediately. That's it. No questions mm -hmm. asked. They should be out of a job. And I don't think that that's a controversial stance at all. I don't either. And obviously, you know, all caution has to be, you know, said here that obviously we don't know what's going to happen as this case moves through the courts, what's going to be litigated, what's going to come out. Um, I think that it just it should go without saying that what Jay is saying is absolutely correct, that if those men knew about what was going on and failed to act to fail to stop it, did, failed to report it, then they absolutely should be fired. This goes obviously well beyond hockey. This is something that you absolutely absolutely cannot have that type of person in your front office that would try to sweep something like this under the rug. I think that it should go without saying that that should be the case, but I'm sure there will be, you know, fans who will say, oh, this was 11 years ago. They'll try to justify it in some way. Do not, under any circumstances, be one of those fans. If this ends up coming out in the wash, that that is what happened with these three individuals, then there's no question they should be handed pink slips and the organization has to move forward in a different direction because it ultimately doesn't matter what those guys have accomplished in terms of the hockey team that they created. If that's your, that's to me, that's your legacy. If you fail to act in a situation like this and it could be proven that you failed to act in a situation like this, I I got no business with you. You can F off as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that, you, you said it very beautifully and very clearly there at the end. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. And, the, and aside from these three names, anyone still affiliated with the organization, anyone collecting a check with the Blackhawks logo on it that knew about this situation and did nothing should be terminated top to bottom. If it's the janitor, if it's if it's Stan Bowman, whoever it is, they should be immediately fired and never associated with this team again and probably never associated with hockey again. Right. So I, I don't know what more we really need to say about it. Um, it's something to keep your eye on. Again, I encourage you to check out the story yourself. Rick Westhead, TSN senior correspondent, has it. I have it on my own Twitter account at jayzawoski670. Uh, so you can check it out there as well. But again, just be warned that the details inside are very graphic and could uh, upset people if they're yeah. not, you know, if they've got a past history or just sensitive to those sort of things. So just be warned ahead of time. That's why we're opting to not read the full details here on the podcast. Yeah, you don't you don't need the full lurid details to know essentially the gist of it, which was that there were there are some very heinous things being alleged in this lawsuit. 
and obviously we gave you kind of the details about the organization failing to act. Those are, honestly, that's all the pertinent details you need. If you choose to go ahead and read it, obviously you can find it either on TSN or Jay's account, but obviously we felt that it was important to kind of warn you guys that the stuff in there is very hard to stomach and very hard to read. Okay, now that that's out of the way, now that we've addressed it, and we'll continue to address it as news warrants as the offseason goes on, Welcome into the Madhouse Podcast. We're going to start talking about hockey right now. Uh, we always appreciate you tuning in. You can get in touch with us, madhousepod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. And of course, we're on Facebook. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Check out Blue Wire Pods. Tons of great sports content from them. My other podcast, the MFAT Podcast, is there as well. So today, James, minding my own business at work, you know, is kind of going about the day, and I see... This article in the athletic drop from Scott Powers and, and Mark <laughs> Lazarus. And I, I said on Twitter, there are so many scoops in this story, it might as well be a virtual 31 flavors. It's it's true. That definitely is true. So I guess we'll start with Laz and Powers reporting that according to a source, the Blackhawks are going to explore adding Dougie Hamilton or Seth Jones this offseason. The source says we like them both. Hamilton is more of an offensive defenseman. Jones is probably more of a two-way defenseman. That's true. James, all things being equal. Don't worry about money. I'm just talking about the player. Let's say we're playing NHL 21. You get to pick one of those two. Which do you pick? I'm probably picking Seth Jones based on what the Blackhawks, I think, more explicitly need. I think that they have a good number of guys in their system who could potentially be offense first type of guys. None, obviously, of the caliber of Dougie Hamilton. Let's not, you know, sit there and try to delude ourselves that that's kind of the, you know, place that Adam Boquist is heading towards or anything like that. But I, I think that they have guys in the system that they could potentially use in a role like that. I don't see them having a guy necessarily especially one that's this close to the NHL level and this close to contributing on a regular basis I don't see a guy in their organization that gives them what uh, Seth Jones would potentially give them on obviously then the issue with that then becomes but and you mentioned that you didn't want me to get into this but I think it just you can it's inseparable of course from the ultimate point it's not only going to cost a lot to sign him to a contract extension to ensure that he stays in Chicago, he's a free agent after next season, you also have to give up enough to get Columbus to send him here. And I know that they're not going to be in the same division, so you're not going to have that kind of nonsensical stuff going on where I don't want to strengthen a divisional rival, et cetera, et cetera. But when you start hearing about the price tag for a Seth Jones in terms of a trade, <sighs> Oh, I got some thoughts on this, Pilgrim. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, so as you read on in the column, and of course, we always encourage you to check out everything uh, Scott and Mark write. Uh, I am a huge advocate for The Athletic. I absolutely love it. Uh, it is something I happily pay for. You should, too. Uh, as the story goes on here, it says another another league source said that Kirby Doc likely would have to be part of any deal for Jones. The source believed Jones would be worth it, too. When Jones's struggles over the past two seasons were brought up, the source pointed to overuse and a weak supporting cast in Columbus. Now, this is where I pause because, look, Kirby Doc is still unproven. We don't know what he's going to be. We've seen those flashes of greatness. We've also seen uh, some injury-prone signs. We've seen 
um, him disappear for long stretches at a time. He's 19 years old. That's going to happen. I am in no way, shape, or form panicked about Kirby Doc. What I'm saying is if the Hawks were, were thinking defense over offense, right, and they want to trade their future number one center for Seth Jones, why didn't they just draft Bowen Byram in the first place? Right. Like, I mean, that's all. That's all. That is the only question to me that matters. You can, are you guys can have all the debate you want about whether or not Kirby Doc for Seth Jones is worth it from the black for the Blackhawks from a hockey perspective, a depth perspective, blah blah blah. Y'all can argue about that. I think the biggest question then is you're really going to give up on a kid that you pick number three overall two years ago, two interrupted seasons ago I might add it is not like the last two years have been all you know peaches and cream and super normal in hockey land that it hasn't like obviously we've had a pandemic we've had Kirby Doc getting hurt we had him getting hurt again I'm just saying that the fact that Kirby Doc has not had I like you're really changing time. accents as you're I, I I just I had to emphasize it man you did I had to I emphasize it. it's just look the, the, simply put simply boiled down to the fact that you'd be willing to give up on Kirby Doc after you drafted him number three overall two years ago, and he hasn't even had two freaking full seasons to, I don't know, really establish what he's going to be in the NHL. We're still sitting here guessing about what his ceiling potentially is. The fact that you would be willing to give up on him that quickly says to me you failed in not just going and drafting Bowen Byram. Like that to me yeah. – that's a huge indictment of Stan Bowman if that ends up being the case. And I know Seth Jones is a hell of a defenseman, mm -hmm. and I know it would be a great get for the Blackhawks. That also tells you something, though, about Stan if he ends up pulling the trigger on a move like that. Well, that's part of the reason I don't think it's going to happen. I, I And here's the thing. You said it earlier. If you trade for Seth Jones, you're going to have to lock him up, too. So the question you need to ask yourself, if the choice truly is between Hamilton and Jones, is... Kirby Doc worth the difference between Hamilton and Jones because you're going to have to pay like you could say like oh well they're gonna have to sign Dougie Hamilton and he's probably looking for what like eight or nine million dollars that's true but guess what after next season Seth Jones is gonna be looking for the same money and same. you're without Kirby Doc so are yep. you better with Doc and Hamilton or just Jones and I think that question is very obviously Doc and Hamilton yeah, and that's why when you mentioned earlier that we could evaluate this in kind of a vacuum, I think that Seth Jones does fit the model of what exactly the Blackhawks need right now. But when you're looking at strictly the outlay of cash and prospect capital to potentially make it happen, I can easily say, yeah, bring on Dougie Hamilton. Obviously, the big issue right now with getting him is just how many teams are going to be bidding on him. You don't think that the New York Rangers are going to back up a Brinks truck to try to convince him to sign. I bet the Carolina Hurricanes aren't going to let him go without a fight. There's probably going to be at least a dozen teams banging on the door of Dougie Hamilton to try to get him to come there. He's the only big name free agent on the market this year. Yeah. And I've seen, uh, I believe it was Elliot Friedman who mentioned the Blackhawks on Hamilton's radar. Um, and, and here's another report here. I'm looking at it right now. I want to make sure I have this correct. This is from Mike Johnston of Sportsnet, uh, scrolling down to the Blackhawks part on this Dougie Hamilton story. Stan Bowman is expected to make a push for Columbus Blue Jackets stalwart Seth Jones, and now you can say the same about Hamilton. Uh, cap issue 
cap space is an issue for Chicago at the moment, and Hamilton would end up being the team's third highest player between behind Kane and Taves. DeHaan and Murphy will be UFAs after next season. Their cap hits combined would be in the ballpark of what Hamilton is expected to make. So when you're talking about those numbers, DeHaan and Murphy combined, DeHaan makes 4.5, Murphy makes 3.8. So there you go. You're looking at your you know $9 million and change uh, for yeah. Dougie Hamilton. So I it, it's tough. It's 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 hard for me to draw this path now look you've got brent seabrook's money uh that you can just put on ltir i know uh sam bowman doesn't like to do that in the off season because it hurts your flexibility uh you've got andrew shaw's money off the books um so i mean if they really want to make it work they can do it you just got to ask yourself is dougie hamilton worth potentially tying up your cap space for the next, I mean, he's looking for a long deal. It's going to be six, seven, eight years for him. It'll be eight years. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's any question to me. It'll be eight years. Right. And and so maybe that could be how the Hawks make it work is if they say, hey, you know what? We're going to give you a lower cap hit, uh, but we're going to give you the term you want. But again, other teams are going to give him that term. I don't think that that's right. going to be an issue for him. So it's tough, man. Like, this is a big decision. And when you talk about some expendable money like guys you could sacrifice losing to clear up that cap space i got two names go for it you go first nikita zadorov yep 3.2 dylan oh, strom and that's three million right there now zadorov of course is a restricted free agent right now we'll get right. into that in a moment that's the next part of, the, of what we're going to cover here but strom's three million is an easy goodbye to me if you're going to make space for a player but that solves your problem temporarily after next season Kirby Doc needs a new deal. You know, Brandon Hagel needs a new deal. Uh, actually, right now. Well, he Hagel does. needs a new deal right now. Yeah. Um, and you've got some other guys, too, who, you know, are going to be some money. But you also have Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan coming off the books after next season. So that's another $8 million plus in ca uh, cap money coming off. Yeah. I mean, they can make it work. Now, the question you have to ask yourself if you're Stan Bowman and if you're a Hawks fan is, is he worth – you know, eight and a half, nine million dollars for the next eight years. Is Dougie Hamilton that guy to be your number one defenseman for that long? I, you know what? I don't honestly have the answer. The fan in me is like, hell yes, pay the guy. But then as I look down the line, I get, I get a little freaked out because you want to sign these guys like Kubelik's doing new, another deal yeah. after next season. And okay, maybe he's expendable if you release, you know, grit your teeth and, and swallow hard on that sort of a thing. But mm, it's tough, man. It, it, and guess what? Like you still don't really have a goalie you love. Right. So, well, I mean, they do have drew Camesso and there has been, I read an article today that the Blackhawks could still potentially look at a goaltender at number 11 in the draft. And I about spit my coffee out. <laughs> I was like, are they really going to do that? They just spent a second round pick on a goalie last year. They just went out in free agency and signed a European free agent. They still have Kevin Lankin in on the books. You're really going to waste a first round draft pick on a goaltender. And yes, I did use the term waste because I, the top goaltender that's available in this year's draft will not be available at number 11. I promise you that. Uh, Corey Pronman of The Athletic uh, mentioned Sebastian Kosa and Jesper Wallstedt. Uh, they are the 10th and 11th best players in the draft. 
Um, so one of those will probably be there. Uh, I don't know, man. I just, I strongly doubt Wallstat's going to be there. I know Corey obviously knows a crap ton more about hockey than I do, but I would also say that if a team is going to go for a goaltender, they're going to, that he's a guy who I could see going in the top 10 fairly easily. I just, I, I think drafting goalies is really tough. Just, it, yeah, it, clearly it is. It's really hard to project. And it, one of the things, I, I, Stan Bowman has two things I think he's undeniably pretty good at uh, signing European free agents. He's He's got a knack for identifying those guys who's going to translate to the NHL, getting them signed and bringing them over. That's a skill that him and his uh, pro scouts have. The other is finding goaltending for cheap. He's able to do it. Drafting, mm, mm, not so much, but he's able to find guys to plug in who can do the job temporarily. Kevin Lincoln is an example of that, right? Like that's a guy who he he who was undrafted uh, by the Hawks and and he signed as an international free agent, sort of a thing. So <sighs> there's so many questions this off season, and that's why I'm so excited for it to like. Really, I'm like, come on, g- just give someone a Stanley Cup so we can get on with the off season. Like <laughs> that's all I want to happen. Like. Please, please, please bring on the offseason because I think one way or another, the Hawks are bringing in a big name player this offseason. And I do think it'll probably be a guy on the blue line. I don't think that they're going to go out and try to add another massive name forward. I think that they've added enough guys into the system. I think they have approximately 730 Forwards under contract for next. Oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, Good thing the NHL got rid of that 50 contract limit. (laughs) Good God. That could have been, that could have been super embarrassing. But I I think that the, I think the Blackhawks, if they're going to make a big move, I think it will be on the blue line. There are obviously a few options and they're going to cost you quite a bit in terms of money, capital, like prospect capital or potentially both. Uh, Speaking of money, Mm -hmm. I think we need to get to the elephant in the room in this uh, Powers and Lazarus piece. Yes, sir. Because I'm telling you right now, there are going to be some people who are going to be fired up about this one. Nikita Zadorov. Yes. Hold on. Hold on real quick. If you're driving and you haven't read this, pull over. (laughs) <laughs> I I think it's fair to say that Nikita Zadorov is uh, polarizing. That's right? a good. That's a good word for it. I, I think that he is a polarizing chap. He's an interesting <laughs> fellow, if you will. He apparently, according to sources in this article, seeking a five-year deal, not entirely shocking, with a cap hit of five point eight five million dollars a season. Jay Zawaski. Where would that cap hit rank him on the Chicago Blackhawks by chance? That would make him uh short of acquiring Seth Jones or signing Dougie Hamilton, their highest paid defenseman. And boy, when I think number one highest paid defenseman, that name sure pops into my mind super fast. No. There, and look, let's be look. These are negotiation tactics. I don't think okay, that he. Lightfoot. I don't think that he believes he's going to get five point eight million. And hey, man, shoot your shot. You never know. I mean, Stan Bowman loves to give term and money and no trade clauses. And so no you, trade clauses. <laughs> so you might as well ask for the for the moon. I am hesitant to pay him a penny more than four million. Even that for me is a. Uh, okay, maybe. I don't love that either. I think what he's at right now is probably what he's worth. 3.2, maybe 3.5. 5.85 million? If someone wants to give him that money, 
by all means, trade his rights. Trade his rights for a pick. Walk away. Yeah, you traded Brandon Saad for him. You gave it a shot. You took a gamble and you didn't win. Fine. You cannot pay that man over $4 million. Yeah. No chance. And don't let me do my thing, James, where (laughs) if it happens, I'm like, well, and I try to, I'm holding you accountable for my bullshit. No. If I pull my, no. So if he's over 4 million, I'm basically going to hit you with a newspaper. If you try to equivocate it is what I'm hearing. Right. Yes. You have the right to come here and slap me done. And I will too. You know, I will. And I'll just leave the podcast recording in real time. So like for the 35 we'll do a hot mic, actually, <laughs> so we'll start the hot mic and yep. then you'll just like take your phone in your car and you'll just yep. film yourself driving to Homewood, walking into my house and slapping me about the head, face and neck. <laughs> um, Homewood police. Just just so you hear that you heard no, that it's just, not assault. If that it's comes not up, assault, <laughs> if that comes up, just explain to them why you're on your way and they will give you an escort. I will actually play them the recording of you using those words. They're going to say, yeah, it sure sounds like he asked for it. Yeah. Um, I think the thing, probably more so than the money, that kind of annoyed me in the piece Mm -hmm. was his last three contracts were short-term prove-it deals. And a league source said he's looking for some security. He didn't prove anything. Let me tell you something, Zadorov. A, prove-it deals require you to prove something you haven't done it. And B... Teams have signed you to three prove-it deals. What does that tell you? You haven't proven it. It tells me that you haven't proven it, and there's a pretty good possibility you're not going to prove it. Now, I mean, if he wants to prove me wrong next season, you know the old saying, fourth time's a charm. <laughs> um, I just I don't Look, see it, I- man. I don't see a nearly $6 million cap hit for that guy. I just don't. No He's shot. a defensive liability, commits way too many penalties, and for what? A couple of big hits every now and then that get the crowd going rah-rah at the United Center? Sorry, that ain't worth $6 bucks, Bob. I don't, no, I don't no. see it. And I do believe he can get better. He's not going to get $6 million better. Heck, I think no, he's he, not. I think his ceiling is a slightly more consistent version of what he is already. I ain't giving him Alex to bring kit money. It just isn't happening. No, no shot. No shot. I don't think the Hawks expect that. I don't, I think they will laugh in his face if they see that number. I think that he also knows he's not getting that. I think he's hoping for four and a half or maybe five. Mm. I, I'm not get, if, but if I'm Sam Bowman looking at the Hawks cap future and what they want to do this off season, no, I'm sorry. I got to trade your rights. And if it's a third round pick or a fourth round pick or whatever, for the opportunity to negotiate with Zadorov, I know it's tough, but sorry. I know you traded Brandon Sod for him, like I said, but you can't double down on a mistake with a yeah. bigger mistake and a longer-term mistake. You tried. It didn't work. Count your losses and move on. Do not sign him to a deal. Is it bad that million. I'd be slightly more annoyed about a five-year term than about a $5.85 million cap hit. Like, why would I want to sign that dude to a five-year deal? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, yeah, you're right. Take the cap hit out of it. What team is going to, like, what have you seen from him that warrants a five-year commitment? I, I'll sign him to a two- or three-year deal for, like, 4.25 or maybe even $4.5 million. I I wouldn't like it, but mm. I also know how limited the – pool is of available talent in terms of blue liners this season and i also know that you have connor murphy and nikita or and um uh, calvin dehan coming off the books after next season too and yeah you might end up re-signing one of those guys but at the same time 
I don't know. They're just they're there are not enough fish in the pool for me to just say, yeah, I'm chucking him in there if he wants four point two five million. It's just mm. they're put in a very difficult position with him. Mm-hmm. If it's a shade over four, I'm I think I would accept it, but not for five years. Then I would absolutely pull my hair out and slam my head on the table. I, I think that four point two five over three years, something like that. I'd will I'd accept it not happily, but I also recognize kind of the reality of the situation. I mean, if they must sign him, it's got to be short term. And I suppose I could like convince myself to possibly pay him a little more. But I, dude, I'm I'm sorry. Like going over four million for me is really tough to justify. Mm-hmm. It's really tough to justify. I just I just can't see it. I just, I just don't see a player there, aside from the fact that he's a free agent, restricted, mind you, and the the piece says they don't want to go to arbitration. I, I don't know if the Hawks would do that poorly in arbitration. Like, what leg does Zadorov have to stand on, aside from I made less before, and I've played more, so I should get more. There, ha- there's not, there's no tangible improvement being seen or made. By Zadorov that has him saying, look, I should have close to double my salary? No. Based yeah. on what? I'd love to know what Zadorov's camp is arguing in his favor. And like I said, many times on this podcast, I think I like him more than most people do here. And I'm still saying this. $5.8 million is a ridiculous ask. And I hope he knows that because there's no way in hell he's getting that. I don't think he's getting that from anybody else either, especially with the cap guaranteed to be staying flat this season and in all likelihood staying flat next season too. The other thing to think about is, and this go they mentioned this in the article too, is this is the first like post pandemic, like free agency period. There was one during the pandemic, and guys are looking for pre pandemic numbers. I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. So on one hand, that's bad for Zadorov. On the other hand, it could be decent for the Hawks in the Dougie Hamilton camp, right? Like maybe we're sort of projecting like, well, Alex Petrangelo got this much money. Well, yeah, that's true, but pandemic, right? So maybe, right. maybe it will just, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, there's just so many angles to this thing. Um, Boy, I'm just really, I'm really interested to see what the Hawks are going to do this offseason. And uh, I think it's going to be significant. I just, I just really don't know. And uh, whatever, man, bring it on. Like the more action, the better. It's obviously good for us. Right. Totally. <laughs> when all these things happen, you know, so that's really exciting. Uh, by the way, if you do come to Homewood and slap me around, I'm going to need a good injury lawyer. And fortunately, we know one, Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including James beating the living hell out of me for a poor hockey take. His results, his firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinsen Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation. 312-332-2107. 312-332-2107 or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. That is S-I-N-S-O-N Law Group dot 
blackhawksitems.com. Let's take a quick time out. We got a couple other Blackhawks items to get to before we wrap up this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back in, friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking about all sorts of Blackhawks headlines and such today and getting really fired up about a couple of different things that we obviously read. There was another signing, however, that the Blackhawks uh, executed this week. Jakob Poor, not Yom Kippur, as I <laughs> had heard somebody refer to him as for some odd reason. Jakob Poor is now a Chicago Blackhawk signing a two-year entry-level deal with the team. If that name sounds familiar to you, A, kudos to you. And B, it's because he is a former teammate of Dominic Kubelik in the Extra Liga, which is the Czech Hockey League. Uh, Jay, what do you know about uh, Mr. Poor? What what can you tell us? I can tell you he's 22 years old. I can tell you he's 6'3", 198. I can also tell you to not expect him to be uh, in the NHL next season. He's a, a little bit away, not quite the Kubelik or Suter type of a prospect, but uh, a power forward type of a player, a guy with some size uh, who had some decent offensive success. Um, but I still think him sort of like Chalupa is a bit of a ways away from the NHL, at least from uh, what a source told me. So uh, look, you can never have too many of these guys. You can never have too many lottery tickets and hope you cash them in. And like I said earlier on the podcast, uh, Bowman's had sort of a knack for identifying these players. Uh, so hopefully Jakob Poor is, is among the, you know, is among them. Cause, uh, you know, we don't know much about him aside from the stats and the size and the date of birth and all that stuff they send along. <laughs> but, uh, I'm told he's not NHL ready just yet. Interesting. And they always signed him to a uh, two year entry level deal then, because usually those guys, you kind of sign them to the three year deal and kind of burn the first year off and just kind of let them come in for a few games here and there, whatever you got to do. I'm just, I'm fascinated by this because we've been talking all off season long about just how many forwards the Blackhawks have under contract for next season it is a preposterous number of players you have literally I think it is I'm counting it up right now because I'm great at math and great at preparing for this show they have 12 count them 12 non-roster forwards who are under contract for next season or sorry 13 now that they have poor under contract and then they also have 10 uh forwards who are currently with the team under contract and then oh yeah they also have David Camp, Adam Gaudet, Pia Suter and Brandon Hagel all of whom are restricted free agents so you basically have like 27 guys theoretically who could could be competing for 13 or 14 spots hey competition's gonna be tight man because you know a lot of these extra forward spots are open you don't know who you're gonna lose in the expansion draft um, so, hey, I, like I said, I don't, I don't mind having these guys. And look, they're, maybe it makes Rockford a little more competitive. And I, I think the Hawks might be more interested in that than usual because, oh, yeah, now they own the team, that whole thing. Um, so they're probably looking to uh, to uh, field a more competitive Rockford roster. So Are they that, looking to move them to Arlington Heights, by the way? <laughs> maybe. They've got the, them and the Bears can combine facilities. That could be I'm fun. Sure. <laughs> I want to see Justin Fields ice skate. I bet he could. Don't don't put anything past the savior. I will not. I absolutely will not. By the way, I want to clean something up. Uh, last segment, I was talking about pre-pandemic deals. 
Uh, my mistake, Petrangelo signed last summer during the pandemic and got $8.8 million. So I went back and looked at Cap Friendly. He is the fifth highest paid defenseman in the NHL. Eric Carlson, number one with an $11.5 million cap hit. Drew Doughty with $11 million. Roman Yossi, $9.059 million. P.K. Subban at $9 million even. And then again, Alex Petrangelo, $8.8 million. So when you're talking about Dougie Hamilton... That's about the ballpark. You've got under Petrangelo is Oliver Ekman Larson at 8.25 and uh, Jacob Truba at eight. So that's what a lot of those guys have in common. What's that? A lot of those guys were not in the playoffs this season. (laughs) I was just thinking about it. Roman Yossi, obviously they made it and got bounced in round one, but Eric Carlson, eh. uh, uh, PK Subban, eh. Drew Doughty, eh. right? Yeah, Oliver Ekman Larson. Well, he's a coyote. What are you going to do? I, I'm just saying, <laughs> man, like there, there is a price to these high ticket uh, players. I know that somebody had pointed out all the high ticket players that were already out of the postseason. I'm trying to remember who they had said was the highest paid player still in the NHL or still in the playoffs. It had to have been somebody like Steven Stamkos, right? Like that kind of level of contract. Well, I will answer that, but I want to – before I refresh the screen I'm looking at to give you that answer, of the top 10 highest paid defensemen in hockey. I'm also a moron, by the way. Nikita Kucherov makes more than Steven Samkos. Yeah. Of the top 10 highest paid defensemen in hockey, I know plus minus is an overrated stat. Two of them had plus ratings. Only one of them had a minus of a single digit. So Carlson was minus 18. Doughty minus 14, Yossi minus 11, Subban minus 16, Petrangelo was plus 20, Ekman Larson minus 17, Thomas Shabbat minus 15, Truba was a plus three, Brent Burns minus 13, John Carlson minus five. All right, now to answer your question about uh, highest paid player remaining in the playoffs. Let me I read. know the answer. I looked it up. Oh, well, I want to do it now. Don't well, I, why don't you guess? Um, I don't want to guess. I'm bad will, at guessing. I, I will tell you, it, it. he is the only player among the top 16. Oh, I got it. I know it. The, I know it without looking. Top top 16 players in the league. Only one of them is still in the playoffs. Is this only skaters or can I do other positions? Carey Price it is, is the other answer. positions. Is it, it was Carey Price. It is Carey Price. His, his cap hit is $10.5 He is the only player in the top 16 that's still in the playoffs. Number 17, by the way, you could have put a gun to my head I would not have remembered this Andre Vasilevsky has a 9.5 million dollar cap hit I sort of forgot about that yeah him and Kucherov have identical deals he's such he's so young he's only 25 I did not realize that he had already signed for the big paper it's amazing the NHL how early you can get those big paydays unlike you know a sport like baseball it's funny though man your your point is good and that you look at the highest paid players in hockey and not many of them are of them are playing right now. Yeah. I mean, I who know. would have thought that the Maple Leafs with three of the top seven paid players in the NHL, you'd have thought they'd have been able to get past the first round. Whoopsie. No. Wow. It's kind of a wild. It's a wild season. No doubt. Shortened seasons. And I know as we look back at last baseball season, we're kind of like, well, you know, that was weird. And I think we might look back at this season sort of the same way. Um, but Look, the, the facts are the facts, and, and the vast majority of the league's highest-paid players are not 
not only are they not still in the playoffs, a lot of them didn't make it in the first place. Right. So and that's what I, that's exactly what I was going to say, too, is not only did all these players not make the post or not all these players are already eliminated. Most of them didn't even make it out of the first round because, again, it would still just be Carey Price out of the top 15. That's yep. it. It's wild, man. Absolutely wild. It is wild. And the playoffs have been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying watching them, and I know uh, you guys have too. We'll have a lot of that. How to talk about this? Habitants, man. Dude, it's a good team. You this, called it. That was your pick. It's w- wild, man. Your like, pick I to win the North. Believe- that that was my pick to win the North. They are in the semifinal. What trophy are they playing for, by the way? Oh, I. That is a great question. <laughs> I completely forgot they they announced which uh, they were like whether they were playing for the Campbell or the Prince of Wales, and I don't remember. It's because the, I would imagine they're so playing for the they're probably playing for the Wales because they're both. No, I don't know the answer to that. Well, one of them's playing for the Campbell because one of them's playing for the Western Conference. I'm so maybe, assuming, yeah. So maybe they're playing. I'm for assuming the it would be the Vegas Montreal series that, that would play for the Campbell. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now the question is, can you touch it since it's not generally your <laughs> traditional trophy? <laughs> oh man, like we said, wacky season. It's a wacky season for sure, with a lot of storylines to follow. All right, before we wrap things up, I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com, Oaklawn. Elmhurst, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park, the West Loop. Chances are, if you're in the Chicagoland area, and I think most of you are, you've got a fry the coop near you. Go get the best damn Nashville hot chicken you will ever have. They've got tenders. They've got chicken sandwiches. They've got donut chicken sandwiches. That's right. Instead of buns, you get two donuts. How about that? (laughs) They've got chicken and waffles. They've got great craft beer. I guarantee you, you will love fry the coop. Go try them out. Go melt your face with some of their hot sauces. And if hot's not your thing, just order the country style. Some of the best crispy chicken. Absolutely delicious. You will love it. I love it. James loves it. You know what? We did forget one quick news item, by the way, Joe. Okay, do it. The Carolina Hurricanes have re-signed Rod Brindamore as their head coach. We had speculated maybe a reunion with Ron Francis up in Seattle. He has re-signed with Carolina and... Won the Jack Adams today. Kudos to him. Best coach in the NHL. Joel Quenville finished in third place. And speaking of third place, somebody gave Jeremy Colleton a third place vote. I don't know where to drive to slap someone. Please. <laughs> I I did not. I don't know who it was. I'm just saying someone gave that man a third place vote. He finished in a tie for 14th place in the voting. I just looked it up. Someone named Karami Jolliton. I've never heard of him. <laughs> is it just Jeremy Colleton with a fake mustache? Hello. My name is Guy Incognito. <laughs> who the hell? I don't know. Does Bowman get a vote? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe Stan I don't uh, even honestly remember who votes for the Jack Adams. I thought it was broadcasters. God almighty. I'm ending the podcast. <laughs> that's it. I got nothing more to say. And it's forever. This is the last episode. <laughs> We're never doing one again. No, no, no. We'll be back. Too much cool stuff happening this offseason and too much great hockey still to be played. But we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review these podcasts. I said this on the I'm Fat Podcast. I'm going to do it here. 
take a picture, a screenshot of your five-star Apple podcast review for the Madhouse podcast. Email at madhousepod at gmail.com. I will throw your name into a hat, and every month I will pick one or two winners and send them a Madhouse podcast prize pack consisting of a T-shirt, some stickers, and whatever hockey crap I got laying around my house. I got some signed photos and all sorts of stuff. So do that. Take a screenshot of your five-star Apple podcast review. Email at madhousepod at gmail.com and you will be entered to win a Madhouse podcast prize pack. How about that? Help us out and we'll help you out too. With that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sins In-Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.